going to read the scripture together. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn to me, Colossians 2. I'm going to read the first 10 verses. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea. That he's writing this, and Colossae and Ephesus on the right on the end of Turkey. If you go up the Lycus Valley, there are a number of towns: Laodicea, Colossae, Pergamon. All the churches of the of Asia were all in that western part of Turkey. So he's writing to one group, but probably the letter was going to circulate. Hence the mention. I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts might be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that you, no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. I'm going to break bread after the preach this morning, just to give us a time for reflection and response. But... We are in this series about being in Christ. It's all about my identity, who, who I am and who I see myself as being because my identity will shape my reactions. It will shape my desires and, uh, and the kind of choices I make. Do you, do you remember, those of you that have been baptized, do you remember when you, when, when you were baptized and they kind of dunked you? Do you, do you remember that? And, uh, and they said, we're burying you. And you thought, oh, and then he said, it's okay, there's going to be a resurrection. And you went splodoosh, and then up again. And uh, the idea was that you're burying an old life and you're going to live a new life. We're going to follow the Lord Jesus. And I, I, I'm going to be his disciple. I'm going to live my life for him. My, my future is not going to be in the grave of sin and living without God. It's going to be in the future walking with God, as Elaine was talking about. And uh, however you understand baptism, that, that, that's the picture for, for the Christian that I, I'm on the Lord's side and my decisions and my, my life is going to be shaped by him, not the old stuff, being in Christ. And I'm going, as I walk with them, I'm going to know his provision and his, his direction and his presence and I'm going to know who I am, who I am. 
very important, very important that I get that really clear in my head or else otherwise I might think like those idiots on the television who tell me other things are important, which are not important. You might, you might ju- just be deceived to think that one day you'll be a celeb. I mean, what nonsense is that? I mean, fancy living your life wishing you were somebody else. No, 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 no. I, I'm going to live my life knowing that I am who I am and I am that in Christ. And I'm deeply loved, as Lucy led us to sing. Now, th- th- this morning the subject is fullness. So it's an interesting word, isn't it? You know, if you were lying on the psychiatrist's couch, right, and uh, he, he said bog, and dog, and you said woof, or, you know, and she, he said cat, and you said sister, or, you know, so some association that came to mind. Do, do, it, might, it might be anything. And, and then he said fullness. Uh, I, what comes to mind? Plenty? Kind of a harvest picture? Having lots? Flowing over? About abundance? Lots of sheaves? And the, the question I want to ask this morning is, if there is fullness in Christ, if I'm in Christ, and there's a measure of fullness for me to draw on and enjoy, how do I access it? Because it's pointless having it all in Christ. I remember a chap telling the story in the days of transatlantic liners of a chap, I think he was from Lancashire, he was tight-fisted, and he bought the ticket and uh, he, he was concerned, you know, about costs. He, he, he kind of had to sell everything to get the ticket. Uh, and the day came and he boarded the liner and the man clicked his ticket. And, uh, and he had his suitcases, but they were full of sandwiches because he couldn't afford to go to the restaurant. Uh, and therefore, you know, the, on the weeks across the Atlantic, he, at mealtimes, he stayed in his cabin. And the, at the beginning, the sandwiches were okay. But by the third week, do you know what I mean? They'd kind of lost their special... They had their own tang. Um, and uh, so as, as the ship cruised into New York... Um, Manhattan Island, wherever it was... Um, and uh, And... He got off, the, he was just, you know, what a wonderful, talking to one of the people in the kit, what a wonderful journey. Well, you know what's happening. And uh, yeah, wasn't the food special? Well, I, 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 didn't, I didn't actually pay for the food. Yes, you did, it was in your ticket. It's in your ticket. And the fullness is in your ticket. Wouldn't it be a great shame if we lived our Christian lives in our own cabin, eating our own sandwiches? I mean, it, it is, sometimes we can live like that. So how do I access? Well, the, 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 let me read. Nine, nine and ten is, are the verses I want us to think. For in him, the whole fullness of deity, fullness, there's a word. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So the first thing that Paul's saying is talking about the source of this fullness. It's in him. Did you notice in verse 3 he said, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him. That God 
has it, that when Jesus was born, God became flesh. The Son of God, with all the qualities and glory of the Father, came among us, laid it aside, but still never ceased to be God. And in, in chapter 1 and verse 19, you have the same sense. He says, for in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So when, you, when they were with Jesus walking around in Galilee, all the resources of God were in their company. He, he, he was God walking. And all, all that happened in his ministry reflected that. And in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And then in 16 he says, and, we, and from his fullness, his fullness, the fullness of being God. These are our resources. From his fullness, we have all received and grace upon grace. And all that like waves beating over, crashing over our lives, the grace of God relentlessly crosses the Christian and it's all out of him. It's all out of him. Now, Paul is talking in these extraordinary terms in contrast to some nutters that had turned up in Colossae. That they were these philosophical teachers. And they were saying, oh, no, no, no. no, no. You, you've got to think this. You've got to do that. You've got to understand. They, were, they, they called them the Gnostics, the special knowledge men in a, in a, in a couple of decades later. Or if you don't understand what, if you don't know what I know, you're not really into it. And Paul saying, rubbish, rubbish. It's not what you know that matters. It's who that I know that matters. It's who I'm connected with in relationship, this one who is in fullness. And actually, that, that, those kind of attitudes that were in Colossae didn't end in Colossae. Think about how religion or Christianity is portrayed on the telly and the kind of stuff that's packaged in that it's, it's all about religion and ritual and routine. Christianity is not about religion, ritual, and routine. It's about knowing a person and having a relationship with a person so that all of that person's fullness flows into my life. That The danger of religion, routine, and ritual is that I think it's about what I do. As long as I'm in the right place, as long as I go through the right ceremonies, as long as I do this, do that. No, 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 it's not about what you do. It's about who he is and what he does in my life. What I do then flows out of that. And in verse 3, it says, all the treasure, is it? one commentator said, it's like a mine that's been opened and extraction has begun. A great picture. That in your, in your relationship with Jesus, whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or five decades, that there's a mine that's been opened. And that's where I get my resource. So that I can, as Paul says in Ephesians 3, attain to the fullness of the stature of him. And when he's going to, saying he's going to Rome, he says, I'm going to come in the full fullness of the blessing of God. What a great picture. What a way to live. 
So the, the, the first thing is, you know, who is a, what is our resource? What do we draw? Oh, it's about a person. It's in relationship with Jesus. That it, it, Charles Spurgeon wrote a, a, wrote a book called The Checkbook of the Bank of Heaven. Now, the, the, there's some truth in that, that you kind of have the promises and then you go to the bank and get what the promises offer you. But it, it's, it's not quite what Paul is saying here, that, that, that Jesus isn't a kind of a, he, don't, he doesn't send you to the bank, he is the bank. He is the source. It's a person. We need to get close. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him. Established in the face, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. It's as if, imagine now, you've got a rich uncle. He's a billionaire. Have you met your uncle Fred? You need to. And you meet, Jason, you meet Uncle Fred and... And he says, look, Jason, anything that you and your family want, need, just tell me and I'll make sure you get it. And what's your name, your kid that was there? Daniel. Daniel's listening. Wow. Anything? Anything? Uncle Fred can give me, great Uncle Fred can give me anything? He could buy me a jet or a helicopter. I, I, I could ask him for a yacht or a tank. A tank. And, and he's done as taking it at the level of, well, he said it anything, so I'll have anything. Whereas Jason, he's a bit more canny. He doesn't kind of take it on face values. He's a grown-up. He's, he's learned to be sceptical. So he says, mm, I wonder what he meant. Um, I wonder if he really means it. Uh, I, I, I wonder if I asked whether he'd cough up. I wonder if he's as good as his word. You would, wouldn't you? I'm not, I'm not just picking on Jason. If, if Uncle Fred said that to you, you'd kind of think, mm, I wonder what he's after. Wouldn't you? And he's got billions. He wouldn't miss a bob or two. But, but you see, when it comes to Jesus, we have to be like Daniel, not like Jason. Wow. I don't mean ordering a tank. <laughs> I mean... Believing without question that Jesus means exactly what he says. He is as willing as he says. He's as good at his word as he says. It's that we, he will deliver. If I ask, ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. Not, I wonder if he means it. He might do that for spiritual people, but he's not going to do that for me. My prayers don't get answered. He is the resource. If I'm in relationship with him, he is willing, 
He is generous and he responds on an extraordinary scale. So who do we, what is our resource? Jesus is. What is the scope of what he provides? Deity. Sounds good. So secondly, going on, that's verse 9. For in him the the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him. Filled. I mean, past tense. You, sorry, Jason, you sat there. You know, you're my beautiful assistant. You have been filled in him. That in Christ I get the lot. If Christ is in my heart, all the fullness of deity I have been filled with. And of his fullness we have received and grace upon grace. That the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life in abundance. In fullness. And he talks in verse 7, doesn't he, about thanks, abounding in thanksgiving. Well, because his grace has abounded to us. It's, it's God's attributes. Those are the qualities of God. There are, the theologians, if you read your systematic theology, will say that there are moral attributes. God is faithful. He's generous. He's kind. He's righteous and just. But he's also abundant. He's good. <sighs> And he's loving. And that, that's who I come to. That's the measure of the resources. But not only has he got moral attributes, he's got eternal attributes. He's eternal. He doesn't change. He's omnipresent. He's always with me. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's not going to be caught out. He can help me along the way. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Whatever the problem, he can sort it. Can't he? Because he's God, stupid. If, you, if he was just some kind of Colossian teacher, you, you might get shortchanged. But we're talking that he's saying that he's God. Not some mystical, complicated, philosophical school. No, that Jesus is, the, is my source of peace when I'm troubled. Abundantly. He's my source of power when I'm weak. Abundantly. He's my source of hope when I'm discouraged, isn't he? Isn't that who you turn to? You're dull if you don't. He's, he's my source of guidance when I'm confused. He's, he's my source of, ge- my, my, he's, he's the generous God. He's the one who will come help. He's the healer. Yes, I'm all into that. And the, the, this fullness is mine to draw on. So what am I going to do? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do this morning. We're going to have communion. And then the elder, James 5 says, any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Ah. And let them pray and anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick one and the Lord will raise them up. So I said in the elders meeting, don't we pray for people on a Sunday morning? I mean, there might be sick people here. Not just me. It's not just me who gets it. You might have it. So I said, well, when we've had communion, let's, let's have the elders just pray briefly. One to one, not five to one. So it goes on all after lunch. So, you know, I, I, I'm a candidate. I'm up for this. Are you up for fullness? Have you, have you got a physical or an emotional need? Are you going to stay in your chair or are you going to join me? 
I said, sure if you want, but I'd rather be healed. So I'm going to stand here and I'm going, they're going to get the oil out and do, do their stuff. Because there's fullness and I, I need to act. I just thought it would be good this morning if we modelled what it means that there's fullness and I need to come and receive myself. I need it. I suspect that you do too. I suppose this whole imagery of harvest and plenty. and But some people have rather twisted that. And they've gone back to Old Testament and say, well, that means that God wants me to be rich. That if I've got enough faith, I might even live forever. You know, health, wealth and prosperity, that stuff. Is that what it's about? Is all that, is my Rolex watch part of his fullness? Or my Rolls Royce? Or, well, whatever. You know, that all I've got to do is confess it and receive it. Or as one person said it, gab it and grab it. Is, is the gab it and grab it theology right? Is that what Paul's talking about here? I don't think so. God is far more interested that I am godly than I am rich. He wants me to live in Christ on his resources so that I might serve him well and honour him. He isn't producing a comfort cushion so that I can live through life without difficulties. That's not how it is. That we were born for trouble as the sparks fly upward. Life has its trials. They haven't come yet. They will. Uh, they like the rain in Wales. But through all of that, he causes us to triumph. He gives us resources. He helps us through. Doesn't he? Doesn't he? So that's the fullness. That's the scope of the fullness available. So how do I draw on it? That Jesus is my resource. All the fullness of deity is in him. And he, when he comes into my life, brings all the potential of those resources into me. So why does he say then at the end, let me read the verse, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. Why has he said that? I mean, we're talking about fullness here. Why has he gone off on a tangent, as it would seem? You have been filled in him. Well, that's okay. I understand that. We've been there. Who is the head of all rule and authority? Why is Jesus being the head of all rule and authority relevant to how I draw on fullness? Well, if I might just give you a clue in Acts chapter 2 and verse 33, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. That Paul writing in Ephesians, in Ephesians 4 says, he's, be, he's ascended to the Father and given gifts that some might be apostles. It's because of, who, of where Jesus is that he is accessible to send gifts and graces. It's where he dispenses his gifts from. 
he didn't do it on the same scale when he was walking around in Galilee. You, you almost had to bump into him. But now, as, as, as Paul says, the, he is the head of all rule and authority. He, he's in a place of executive power to make this stuff available to us. And therefore, he says, verse 6, therefore, as you re- receive Christ, Christ as Lord, walk in him. Walk in him, he says. Paralambano, for you Greek scholars. It means go for a walk with him. Walk alongside him. Set off together. Live your life at his pace, in his direction, with his provision, and his company. Receiving as you go. What a lovely picture. What are you doing this week? Oh, I'm going for a walk. Oh, where are you going? Oh, it's not a matter of where I'm going, it's who I'm going with. Isn't it? What a great, what a great picture of being connected with the resource. Because then you see that it's interesting in, in Colossians. On the one hand, he says, You are filled. But if it, the, the, ver, the couple of, do you remember the couple of verses I read from chapter one? And I, I said, Oh, I'm starting in chapter two, verse one. Oh, no, I'll, I'll read the previous verse. He says, I'm striving. I'm laboring for you to be mature in Christ. For this I labor with all the strength you give. Do you remember those verses? So actually what Paul is saying, that we have everything, everything in Christ. But I may not have worked it all out personally. Did you receive the Spirit of God when you believed? Oh, yeah, sure I did. Does that necessarily mean that the fullness of Christ, the, anoint, the fullness of the Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, is, is something that I live in experimentally? Mm, my life tells me that, that the answer to that is not necessarily. That everything is mine in Christ, but there is a sense practically in which I need to make it mine. It's interesting, having said all this, the first verse of chapter 3, verse 1, if you then have been raised with Christ to this new life, seek the things that are above. He, he isn't saying be complacent, it's all yours, sit back and just do nothing. He's saying that everything is mine in Christ, but I need to make it experimentally my own. it's fine having a great theology of the Holy Spirit. I need an experimental theology of the Spirit. Because everything I get from Jesus, everything in my... When I became a Christian in the first place and was born again, it was a work of the Spirit. When he came into my heart and made me know in my Noah that I was a child of God, it was a work of the Spirit. Every time he guides me, every gift he gives me, every comfort that comes to me, Jesus works through the Spirit. If you look at the ministry in the Gospels, he didn't have a kind of bionic deity pack, you know, strapped under his belt. He, he came, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And, and the Spirit has anointed me to preach good news to how he began. The whole of Jesus' ministry was demonstrating, modeling how you and I need to draw on the Spirit's work. How we need to walk, go for a walk with him. And this word rooted, 
It's a great picture, isn't it? He says, walk, root, and build. In verse 6. And that, that's how I receive. I, I, I need to be in a journey with him. I need to be rooted. My roots need to go into him, not into other stuff, into Jesus, that I, that I might be built up in him. The, the, the other word of the use of fullness in the New Testament is talking about the fullness of the Gentiles in God's full purpose in, in the nations, in the gospel. Actually, that's why he's given us his fullness, that we might be fruitful and effective and engage with, lost, with a lost world through the gospel. That's why I'm filled. That's why he's put his spirit in my life. Not so I can sit on a comfortable cushion, but that I may be involved in all of his great good purpose. So there's just one question that leaves hanging, isn't there? Am I in Christ? I don't want you to answer me, Jason. No, I don't want you to answer me because everybody else might think that I want them. I want you to answer yourself. Am I in Christ? Am I walking with him? Am I in his company? Have I committed my life to him and, and come into new life and turn from an old life and walking in a new one? Where do my roots go down into? To the internet? Into my job? What am I drawing on? Into my sense of Comfortable materialism and measure of wealth. What, what am I? Where, where are my roots? What am I rooted into? Because a Christian is rooted into Jesus. That's the core of his life. It's where his fullness comes from. What am I? What? Who, how am I building? Am I in Christ? It's a, f- a hugely important question. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to gather around the table. I asked if um, communion could follow the word for this reason. This is a memorial, but I'm a follower of Calvin on this. It's not just a memorial. It's a place of meeting. It's a place where I draw near to God. It's a place where I come to to meet with him for fullness and thought what a lovely thing we're going to have bread and by the way we have gluten free bread for anybody that needs it can I just drop that in and if when it's being distributed you, you, you want gluten free not the other stuff that will make you ill just do that make a, a G I, funny with your thumb in it but when whoever's handing it around just do that and they'll get you a little cob which is gluten-free, by the way. But we are going to receive tokens of the Lord's grace to us. His mercy and forgiveness and redemption and atonement, cleansing and forgiveness. But of course, in his fullness, there's so much more. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be lovely as we, as these elements are going to, you're going to stay. You don't have to walk to the front. They're going to be brought to you. And as the musicians play, wouldn't it 
just be an opportunity. Lord, I want to really draw on you, not just for forgiveness. I come for that first, of course. But whatever else it might be. And then when we've done that, if you just want God to heal you or touch you, or I'm going to be here. I'm, I'm going to be first in the queue, right? I, I'm nearer than you are, so I can get to the elders first. So that the first prayer, that's me. That's the cream. But if you, if you need as well, well, why don't you come? Just let an elder anoint you with oil and pray. Let's bow our heads together.